This is a Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles, presented by Westside Honda and 204 Skate Shop. Motocross news from around the globe, but mostly between Emerson and Brandon. We're not experts over here, but we've got microphones. Check us out on the web at BigMXRadio.com. This week on the Big MX Show, we've got Tom Parsons, 2013 Mark Jernity Cup Best Whip Champion. From racing supercross to death-defying whips, this guy absolutely does it all. Here's his story to date in the sport of motocross. Welcome to the Big MX Podcast Show, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles, 204 Skate Shop, Capital Motorsports, and Westside Honda. With us on the phone, all the way from, uh, I believe it's California, is Tom Parsons. We also have in our studio, Lee Stewart and Chris Mellon, my co-hosts. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and um, take it away, Chris. Uh, this is one of your contacts. We're very excited to have uh, Mr. Parsons on. Uh, he likes to go upside down, sideways, and backwards on a dirt bike, uh, all of which I'm not capable of, so I'm very intrigued. Cool. Well, uh, it's good to hear your beautiful voice again, Tom. Uh, uh, I had a pleasure meeting Tom when we were down in California this year when we did our little tour there, and uh, he was just a great guy, very inviting, and um, yeah, obviously made us want to talk to him more. So, uh, first of all, like, tell us a little bit about yourself, Tom. Like, where are you from? Was it like a little small town? Where'd you grow up? Uh, I actually grew up in California, uh, in the heart of Orange County, but uh, at the time, I, I didn't ride a dirt bike or even knew I was going to, so I don't know, I skated and stuff like that. Lived the Cali life until I was about 12, and then my parents moved us to Florida, and that was actually when I started like racing and getting a lot into riding and all that kind of stuff. The product of Riddick, California, or uh, Riddick, Florida, and uh, you you enjoyed some success uh, riding early, or when 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 did you get on a bike? Uh, I started riding and racing like uh, right about twelve, uh, so I was kind of like late into it a little bit. I just rode like some quads and other stuff, a little bit of dirt bikes when I was younger, but nothing serious. So and then uh, yeah, once I once I got here, I started racing, and then. I just did it for fun, and, you know, once I got a little bit older, I started getting better and better, uh, until I thought, you know, maybe I could do something with it. Nice. Well, like, was your whole family involved, or, uh, like, how did you get into motocross? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. My my brother was a mechanic, but uh, he didn't really ride too much, a little bit. Uh, he was more on street bikes, and, you know, my, my mom and dad didn't really have anything any kind of background in motocross at all. And uh, we moved to Florida, and I had a dirt bike that I rode occasionally. What, what kind of bike did you have? Here, it just, um, I had a, uh, what did I have? I had a CR80 was the one I was riding. Before that, I had a old Honda XR75. Oh, yeah. Nice. With, like, dual dual rear suspension. Oh, yeah. I was, uh, everyone spun some laps I on one of those the Yeah, that thing was, uh, it was a turd, but... <laughs> 
we just bought it super cheap because I hadn't, we had no idea anything about motorcycles and this kid, uh, down the street, like sold it to us and we could never get it running. So I would just ride the four wheelers we had instead. So that was probably why but I would actually have a good dirt bike at that point. Maybe I would have started earlier, but cause I had this piece of junk, it, it kind of turned me off. For a four wheeler. That sounds like a dark time in your life. Uh, talk to us about that a little bit. Well, I knew, I knew that was, I knew that was coming. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I was, I was young. I didn't know a lot. It's fine. I had, you I did have judge. that Yamaha quad that kind of looked like a monster truck. Okay. That's, okay. Style points is key. Yeah. So, but, right you know, it, it was well, fun. It was fun while it lasted. Excellent. Well, that, uh, that, that CR80, CR80, this is pre-85 days for our younger listeners, uh, before they added that five cc's for all that extra power. Um, Tell me a little bit about that bike and, and how much you uh, and like how you developed the love for motocross uh, on the, the the seat of that bike and uh, some of the local tracks that you really enjoyed. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't even know. It might have been the eighty. I don't even know if it was the eighty or eighty-five. I forgot that that even changed. But um, yeah, I started on that thing and just started racing. And then I think I I switched to a Suzuki, went back to the Honda when they had like the big wheel and stuff come out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, just up in here, here in Florida, I grew up racing all around here in, in Georgia and stuff, doing the Gold Cup and many of those winter hands. So, like, and, who... Uh, yeah, I rode eight. Like, who are your riding buddies uh, back in the day when you were getting riding and getting everything started? Who? I mean, back in the day, I had a, I had a couple guys. Uh, I had a buddy, Paul, Clint... Uh, I'm trying to think who else, uh, Matt Johnson, he actually does still ride, but look, Clint still rides too a little bit, but a lot of the people I rode with back then, they just, they're not really racing much anymore, you, you, you don't see too much of them, but, um, there were a few guys around the area, Jason Thomas was the guy I always was riding with. Yeah, I figured that name was going to pop up. ahead of me. So, uh, so when you, uh, first started getting into these local races, how was your success, like? Were you instantly at the front of the pack, or uh, did you have to work your way up? Oh yeah, when I, I was terrible when I started. It was I. I still have like a couple of videos from back then. Just I'd like to I see. I mean, those. I was. Yes, it I was have. almost sad. I would get laughed by everyone, like including. I mean, a lot of the people know who Jason Thomas is. You know, he yeah. was a JT Money, pretty successful pro for a lot of years. Yeah, JT Money. You know, like him, even Clint Sheely, who people on the East will know who Clint is, but. Um, those guys would just lap me. It, it was, it was sad, but I don't know. I guess like somehow once I started getting going, I, I accelerated kind of quickly. I took a few, uh, spills and broke a couple bones, probably going a little over my head, but it happened. I guess I was, I was trying to make up for the lost times. Yeah, very, very, uh, that often happens when you're a rider that uh, doesn't enjoy a ton of success. Uh, you tend to uh, take leaps and bounds when you when you do acquire some speed, and uh, sometimes that ends up uh, with you on your head. Yeah, yeah, I definitely experienced that. I try to be a little smarter about it nowadays, but yeah, it happens, you know, it's part, part of the sport, you kind of get used to it after a while, but, uh, you know, I made it through, and then started getting better and better and then when I when I moved up to the bigger bikes is when I actually started like excelling a little more when I got to the B class and stuff uh, then I started actually competing pretty good like all in the southeast and stuff you know I was always like a top five rider I'd, I'd say 
and uh, you know, would win some motos here and there, some motos at the regionals for Loretta's and different stuff like that. But you know, other than that, well, I guess I won a couple things, but nothing huge. I could never quite get it done at places like Loretta's and uh, races like that. It never seemed to quite come together where I could get a podium or something, you know. Yeah, we were actually looking at your uh, Loretta Lindsay's results. Uh, Brad's going to hit you up about that in a little bit. Uh, consistency wasn't your forte at Loretta Lindsay's, it doesn't look like. You know, the funny thing is I, I always had such good lap times there. Mm-hmm. And I would win, you know, a moto here and there and, you know, podium at the regional in the southeast, which is one of the toughest ones. Yeah. And then I'd get there and literally, like, Three years in a row, I wrecked on the first lap of my first 250 moto. Oh. And so it's just like, but then I'd come back, like, actually two years in a row, not only did I fall on the first, or the first lap in both my same exact 250, I want to say B stock. Yeah. Same first moto, same class, two years in a row, same lap I fell. Yeah. And that's got 12. 1997. both, both times. 1997, you had uh, moto scores that sounded like DNF 25-3 in uh, Modified. The following year, you went 40-12 DNS. And, uh, and then the, the, in 1999, uh, you went 12 DNF DNF for, uh, I believe, 36th overall. Yeah, that was <laughs> just an absolute yeah, pick. Like it, it shows you had speed. To be honest, like you, you have like your like you're as high as third in a in a in a moto at Loretta's in the 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 C mod class in 1997. Absolutely flying out there. Um, what do you attribute that inconsistency to? Just um, nerves or um, yeah. yeah? Well, it, actually, a lot of it was just kind of luck. Actually, in '97, okay, I did. It, I know it's the C class, but I could have a very successful '97. Mm-hmm. Um, I won. I actually won all six motos at the regional for the C class. There you go. And I went to Loretta's. I went to Loretta's, you know, feeling really, really good, thinking, you know, I could maybe at least podium, uh, possibly win. And first moto out of the gate. I'm in second place, about to pass the guy for first, mm-hmm. and my crank went out. That's the DNF. Yeah, that's the DNF. Wow! Like so, uh, you're, just, you're riding I, Kawasaki's. I, I, I'd last eight big. You were riding then, Kawasaki's at the time. So got, Go ahead. Yep. <laughs> were you a, were you a Team Green guy or uh, like what, who was supporting you uh, in through the uh, your amateur days? Uh, I was actually it was just a shop and a bunch of sponsors. I was always kind of on that bubble. Um, I was I almost made it to that point. There was actually kind of a I guess I never really even talked about it that much, but I actually, me and another kid, uh, Ryan, who we rode to the same shop here in Florida, mm-hmm. and he was, we were always in the same class, always battled each other, and he, uh, there was actually a King Green ride open yeah. down here that they were coming to the shop for, and it was kind of like me and him yeah. for it, and he ended up getting it. No way. And, uh, he, he he actually did win. He won a B class at Loretta's one year. I'm not sure what year that it was. Ninety nine or somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he did. He he was a good rider, but uh, yeah, I was kind of like. So I kind of missed out on that one, but I think the year or so after that, 
I switched to this BSY Yamaha team, yep. which was in Florida. Um, a lot of people, some people might remember it, I don't know, but it it was like a semi-Yamaha-supported team back in the day and had a couple really good guys like Ernesto Fonseca came through on that team and okay, uh, wow. Tyson Hadsel, who was a, a local, really fast local guy who, well, he, I mean, he used to make names and stuff in the, in the 250 class. Yeah, it's like you like um, Loretta's. You you competed uh, on one twenty five specifically as uh, Chris kicks over uh, some empty bottles uh, from podcasts gone by earlier this evening. Um, but um, yeah, just getting back to your 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 amateur success, like um, where did you find that speed going from? Like at the age of twelve, like getting lapped by Jason Thomas to um, at the age of. 15 or 14, 15, 16, mixing it up with guys like Billy Leninovich, who years later would go on to uh, lead su- like 250 supercrosses. Like, uh, you're right in there with those guys. Yeah, it was, you know, I always felt pretty good. It just, it, I mean, it took a little time, but I guess I, I, I put a lot into riding and I did have a lot of help. Like, I, I was probably for nine years, maybe, I was a Gary Bailey student. So I, Spent a lot of time with Gary, you know, being with technique and training and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think having that so early on, you know, really let me excel more quickly than it being if I didn't have any of that technique and training, you know? Yeah, like, are those uh, some of the lessons that you learned there still things that you can do small um uh drills or anything that you can still draft off today or uh are those uh, all in, pretty well ingrained at this point yeah after after i mean i went to gary for so long he, re- he really does ingrain it into your in your brain and, and i mean to this day i mean there's you know what's that <laughs> I, I heard he might whack the odd <laughs> knuckle knuckles. with a stick yeah uh yeah that is <laughs> that's funny you say that yep you gotta uh you don't keep your finger on the clutch yeah, yeah he's the coach in the corners and stuff. So, you, you, yeah, you get wrapped in the knuckles. Did you go out and buy the most padded gloves that you could find, and then headed off back to Gary Bailey for year two? Yeah, no, I got I got whacked once or twice, and my finger never came off that <laughs> off my coach again. There you go. Yeah, that's something maybe uh, I need to to acquire his services because. Uh, I I have a hard time keeping him out there, but um, I'll hit you with a stick, no problem. Perfect, awesome. Don't even need Gary Bailey. I've got Chris Mellon. So uh, w- when you were growing up in this, was there any local kind of freestyle competitions or jump competitions at the races I were competing in, or when did you kind of start throwing whips and doing one handers and cool stuff like that? Uh, it's kind of funny, like I when you're thinking back to it, I was like doing whips when I was in the C class. Like C class whips why, or solid? I probably whips. shouldn't have been. Yeah, I mean. I had some pictures. I, I mean, they're not yeah. that good, but they're, I think for a sea rider, they were pretty good lips. So you, it's something that I you've just, always uh, had. Yeah, ever. I mean, as soon as, even when I was on 85, it's like in the 14, 15 class, right before I moved up to big bikes, I always had a track that had a couple really big jumps that you know normally people don't have. And then buddy of mine, Matt Johnson, who, who still races, he... um also had a track with really big jumps, and we were always in the same class. So when me and him were in the C class, we would ride together all the time, and we just thought it was fun. And so we'd go out there and jump, 
you know, just big jumps. He had like a hundred foot tabletop at his house and we would do knack knacks and like can can field clickers. And, uh, I would just, pra- I would practice doing whips and stuff. But is that, uh, is that surely out of, small. is that surely out of, uh, boredom through the, the practicing schedule or you just, uh, um, acquired a few different skills and started to already try and push them to the max? As far as freestyle or just riding, just well, just riding is and like that at the time you're you're still mainly focused on racing, but uh, yeah, it, it helps to break up your your schedule a little bit practicing if you can uh, go out and, and bust some 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 cool jumps out there. Yeah, I just I just thought it was fun. I really you know had no any idea about doing freestyle or anything like that at the time. I just. I see some videos, you know, like Metzger and those guys on terra firma and stuff like that and thought it was cool. And so, you know, me and Matt would go out there and just practice tricks, you know, here and there when we were done riding and uh ended up learning a few. So when I when I did good at the races, I'd be like the guy who'd do the heel clicker over the finish line and Oh, and everybody loves that guy. Um uh Okay, like uh you always obviously liked hitting big hits. Um, when we were at Wyvern there in California, that booter on the top of the hill there, I think you said like the one you're hitting fifth gear there. Do you, yeah. remember, do you remember that yeah, guy? Fifth gear. What's that? Yeah. Um, so hitting stuff like that, like that was just part of your day to day fun going huger than anybody should, uh, when no cameras are around and just going out and having a good time. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I like jumping and I don't know, just. I'm so used to it now. I probably am too used to it. Uh, so it's, you know, if I see a jump and like it feels pretty good, then I, I'll, I'll probably go for it. But sometimes every once in a while I'll be like unsure kind of of, of, of like the speed, whether if I'm just a little iffy about it, that's where I'm a little smarter now than I used to be. I used to just go for it. I would have no clue what the speed was and I would just try it. Where now if I like have this feeling that it's a little iffy, I'm not sure exactly, I'll uh, I'll save it for another day. <laughs> well, and that's obviously a smart way to play it. And I think we've seen that a little earlier when you were eyeing up that 120-footer dirt-faced one, where uh, you guys ran at that about 20 times, and uh, like we were all just scared, like you know, because... You could tell that, uh, you know, you were a feeler, you're just making runs, making runs, but not fully feeling it. So you pretty much proved that that day as well. Yeah, that's true. Well, th- thanks for bringing that one up. <laughs> hey, dude, sorry, but I, no, seriously, uh-huh. I was scared. I was, like, hiding behind the water truck because, like, it would have been, like, sick to see, but I didn't want to see if it went wrong. Like, I was kind of, like, you know, watching through my fingers type of thing. Yeah, yeah, well, shoot. Now, now, see, I haven't thought about that jump in months now and now I'm going to sit here and think about how I didn't jump it well hey I'm glad I can help <laughs> yeah that that one I don't know what it is about that one there's something about that jump I've I've been there I don't know I've been there a few times always eyed it out check was always run at it half the time it's been too windy but like I mean that day was perfect but I just I've, I've never seen anybody jump it and I've got no clue I like have a estimate of what speed I need to go, but I could either come up short or go long, and it, um, I'm just not into that. Yeah, that, that, that wouldn't turn out good either way. But I could hit it perfectly, you never know. It, it, it's hard to say, but that's that's where I'm a little smarter, and like, if I don't have, 
I have a pretty good feeling now when I come up to jumps and check them out that, okay, if I go this speed, I'm at least going to clear the knuckle, but I'm not, I can't go too long at this speed. But generally I have like a good feel for it. And if that feel is like off and I'm like, wow, I like, I have an idea of the speed, but this may not even put me on the landing. Then I just, I, I just try to tell myself, don't do it today. Don't do it. No, not worth it. So, uh, getting back to racing, um, you, uh, you tried out arena cross and, uh, had some uh, success there. Uh, talk about your arena cross experience. Well, actual like arena cross, arena cross. Or even uh, local arena crosses, and uh, and uh, we've seen here that like trying to qualify for super crosses and making it go with that. Um, when uh, when did that come around? Uh, yeah, it's actually well, I, never, I actually never ended up doing too much arena cross um, back in the day. It was like a little different than it is now. How 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 they have it set up, and so I did some like regional ones, which I honestly don't even know how it was set up back then, now that I think about it, but it was, like, set up in national and regional, mm-hmm. and so there was, like, a southeast and a northeast, midwest, I think, and all, all like, that separated Yeah. Uh, for, like, amateur stuff, but, um, yeah, I would do some of those, like, in the southeast, but uh, I pretty much just started, kind of went right to Supercross. Um, when I, was, I guess when I was younger, when I was in the A class, I, uh, Ended up kind of getting like messed up one year when I was training for Loretta's. Actually, I was I ended up getting like Epstein Barr, which is you know like a, like a quite a few people get it nowadays. You know, you hear yeah, about it's it a more, lot. A lot more common uh, now than it was then. Uh, it was that because you were overtraining. You were you're you're uh, kind of uh, revolutionizing the uh, the world of training in motocross at the in the early two thousands. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was, I mean, I guess I kind of was overtraining a little bit, but it was not really overtraining, but I wasn't keeping care of myself, mm-hmm. you know, because I was, I was doing it on my own and I was trying to get ready for Loretta's and, uh, you know, not that it's crazy long motos, but like I wanted to be, I wanted a Loretta's moto that year to not even phase me. Mm-hmm. And so that's in 2000, you know, whatever happened, just training and running motos and stuff during the summer. Here in Florida, you know, where it's real hot, I guess. It just wasn't, you know, I didn't know anything that much then. I didn't have a trainer or anything. So mm-hmm. I probably, you know, I probably wasn't eating right. I probably wasn't keeping hydrated right. You know, a whole bunch of things. Fair enough. And, uh, you know, ended up getting it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't so much getting it was the problem. is that at the time it was really, really new. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people didn't know much about it. So, you know, I had a couple doctors that I actually went to. And like they didn't even believe it was real, and so they just told me like, "Oh, you're there's nothing wrong," and uh, you know, send me on my way. And so I just kept training, and it got like I would get worse and worse yep. and worse. I was like, "This is crazy! Like, that's, there's something wrong." That's counterproductive. And, I know uh, uh, I've a friends of mine have, have tried to work through a thing like either Epstein Barr or Mono, and uh, with not not realizing that's what's going on with their body. And the harder you push, the harder the uh, the symptoms seem seem to uh, take control. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's exactly what happened. And I I basically pushed it so far that it it kind of turned it turned into like chronic fatigue. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it wasn't when that happened. It was pretty much over. I actually had to quit riding for quite a while. I was I was pretty much quit racing for almost a year. 
trying to like get my body back to normal. And it was towards the end of that time that I, uh, you know, I was doing a lot of different things, trying to figure it out. And uh, I was going to like an acupuncture guy and a bunch of different, you know, more natural things. And, uh, you know, ended up starting feeling better and better, started to ride again. And then I actually went to another doctor who knew a little bit more about it. And they ran a couple more tests on me and were like, oh, yeah, well, you got you got the, I don't know what it's actually called, but they can, you know, they can tell if you've had it. Yeah, it was blood work that I they guess. do in uh, work. They do some blood work on you and, and find that you've got the Epstein-Barr virus, which is uh, basically, it's pretty de- debilitating for sure. Um, but uh, once once that all cleared up, you entered the, the pro motocross scene, I think it was in 2001? Uh, I think that was when I was in A. I think that's when I actually had the problem. Okay. I say, my, my, first, my first full year in Supercross was 03. Okay. So I think, I think it was in the road maybe when I started to race again mm-hmm. and uh, and so I was kind of behind it was kind of a bummer because I was you know I moved up from the B into the A and I expected to have you know like a, a year or two in the A class going to Loretta's and all that you know before I tried to turn pro but then I kind of all the time I missed all the people that I was in the classes with before all up in B everybody else was turning pro so it was like well I guess I just need to to make the jump, and uh, I went up to Supercross, and then did did the East Coast uh, rounds. You know, in oh, yeah, oh three, I guess it was my first year. And like, I can't believe it's been that long, actually. Yeah, like uh, you, you, who was uh, who helped you make that step uh, into the the uh, the pro ranks? Like, uh, what kind of gear uh, were you getting? Were you getting some sponsors? Um, was it a collective deal? Like, were you getting helps out with uh, with bikes? Um, I believe you, you you rode with the the Wonder Warthog team, uh, which uh, some of the the fans of uh, that era of uh, racing will definitely remember. Um, tell us a little bit about that step and uh, who was helping you out. In the early, you know, my first year or so, I uh, didn't didn't really have any help because I I just come back in, you know, so I pretty much you know kind of went from you know being a a, a pretty good like up and coming guy through the B and everything and having sponsors and all that and then kind of off the map for a while and yep. then went right up to Supercross so I really honestly was paying for almost everything well I mean at that time actually I guess my parents were basically paying for everything to get me to the races and I would get you know discounts and stuff on things but nothing nothing excessive and then uh yeah and then I did I did 03 um how did you do 03 pretty well were you a bit of a bubble uh, guy? Like, how close I, were you to making these mains? I actually, I, <laughs> I came so close, like, a couple different times. I had, I think I had some 10s in the heat and maybe some, like, 5th or 6th in LCQs. Mm. Um, but I was close, and then but I actually felt pretty good for the first year. I made most of the night shows. I think I only missed one or two, maybe. And then I, uh, yeah, 04, I was actually feeling really good, and, uh, like switched, went up to the 250F when Honda came out with theirs, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, went in feeling pretty good, and and then you know, had you know had a real good off season, and you know felt like oh that next year was going to be you know pretty good, and maybe I'd make a bunch of names and all that stuff, and I got about I got a few rounds in. I'm not totally sure how many I did on the East. And then I actually, I ended up breaking my arms 
in the backyard. Uh, like I had, I actually had a ramp at that point, which I just randomly picked up and, you know, just had, would jump it for fun and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I randomly was, I was riding this old 250 that I still had, that I didn't even ride, but I would jump the ramp on it sometimes. And I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it. It, it had some jacked up suspension and I probably shouldn't even ride it, but I just happened to over jump the jump. You know, it wasn't even that bad. I've probably over jumped a ramp since then, like a hundred more times. But for some reason, because of that day and the bike, when I impacted, it uh, pushed my radius bones like into my humerus uh, and shattered the ends of them. That's uh, delightful. And Doesn't sound like a good time. What? Uh, yeah. Where did where did this so, uh, this ramp come about? Was that always something that you wanted to pursue and? Um, like, uh, was that always something that kind of interest, interested you, like, to play around with something like that? Yeah, you know, I had it been. I didn't really, I didn't jump it all that much. Um, I randomly picked up the ramp um, after this freestyle show they did here in Florida in the land. Um, I was driving to the beach one day, and I saw it sitting in, a like, a trailer place. And I drove in there and asked them, like, hey, is this ramp for sale or whatever? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you could probably buy it. And so I ended up getting it. And, uh, you know, I really had no thought of doing FMX or anything like that. Um, I just kind of got it because I like to jump. And, uh, you know, I did some little bit of tricks here and there. So I just thought it'd be fun to have. And, uh, you know, I had it for a while. And then, yeah, then that ramp (laughs) ended up ended up getting me, but it wasn't even that crazy. Like, I barely, you know, the, I overjumped it. It wasn't even that bad. I didn't crash or anything. But when I did it, for some reason, the impact uh, just jacked my arms, and but it, it broke both my radiuses and then kind of tore my inner osseous membrane, which is like just this thing that goes between your your ulna and your, radi- or your radius and your ulna, I think. It's kind of like a... Uh, I don't even know what it what it actually is. It's almost like a ligamenty kind of fibrous thing. Yeah, it's a gap between the synovial uh, fluid of your elbow joint, but that's uh, way too advanced for most of our listeners, I think. But yeah. so, so, so obviously the ramp the first time, which you to this day don't hold hard feelings to, which is good, but uh, that took you out of that season of Supercross. How long did it take you to heal and uh, actually want to get back on the motorcycle again? How, you know... Did you go right back into Supercross, or uh, did you kind of get back into the ramp? Uh, well, it actually it it actually sucked really bad because it, it the the bone part wasn't that bad, but like the other damage it did, it kind of messed my just everything up. Like it, like when I did it too, it also like messed up my uh, elbow ligaments and stuff. So I had quite a bit of damage in there, but. Um, then I had a couple issues, like when I was in the hospital with like swelling, which I think contributes to some of the problems I have now. Yeah, um, that's what I was gonna say. Are any of these injuries recurring? Like are, nagging? Do you have any issues today from these past injuries? Yeah, that honestly, the the main reason I don't race full time now is because my arm is still messed up from that injury. Um, 
Like my left, my left one healed fine, but for some reason I don't know what happened. But my right arm, there's just a lot of stuff going on in there, and I got some nerve problems and stuff. So it's just I have chronic swelling in it. Basically, when I ride, and I'll have some nerve problems that'll make my my hand just not grip things well. It's, I don't know how to really describe it, but it uh, when I did it, you know, it took me. It was quite a bit of therapy, probably, you know, I went to therapy for four or five months just to get, like, my elbows and everything working normal again. And then I just remember starting to ride probably, like, six or eight months after it happened, and I literally, I couldn't hit braking bumps at all. And I would ride one day, and I'd have to wait, like, two weeks before I could ride again because it would just jack my arms up really bad. And it's kind of crazy when I think about it, just, like, all the problems I had with it, just how, just how difficult it was to do some things, even just like lift a milk carton. And, uh, but, you know, I just, I kept going and, you know, eventually they started getting a little bit better, a little better. I had, a, I had a surgery on the right one, made it a little better. And then after that, actually, I came back and started doing supercross again. Um, but just supercross, not really outdoors or anything. We'll see. And, uh, motocrossers yeah, never actually, die. Yeah, I actually, I probably should have did motocross. Actually, that might have went a little better, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> but it's just, it's kind of weird. Like, it seems like the more, the more I have to use my throttle, the more the problem is. Because when you're twisting it and all the stuff in there is rubbing and whatever issues I got going on, that tends to flare it up even more. But, so- you know, it's it's a sad story, but <laughs> no, nah, it's just you know, it happens to a lot of guys. It's injuries. You gotta you gotta stay away from the injuries. And I just happened to have that one, and it it uh, just did some weird stuff that I couldn't quite get figured out. So it's you know, I never stopped really trying either. Like I've I've had three surgeries on the right arm now since that original. Just like trying to get it a little better and a little better and a little better. But um, you know. Basically, there came the time when I had to figure out, you know, like what, I keep trying to race at like 80% and do okay, or do I find something that I can actually maybe make some money at and keep riding my dirt bike? And so that's kind of where I transitioned and did less racing. I still raced, you know, and I did like Wonder Warthog a couple of years, and it was around that time kind of that I also started transitioning and trying to do a little more freestyle and the whips and stuff and basically anything that could I could make some money and continue to ride I guess no for sure so uh the freestyle which it kind of sounds weird but this was that was easier on your arms because it was less abuse like less you know shorter bursts yeah no whoop sections less breaking bumps type of thing so you know freestyle is actually a more comfortable bet for you yeah yeah it's actually you know I don't have Sometimes I'll get like the I'll get the nerve flare ups, which will hurt. A, like they're kind of messing me up when I'm doing like seat grab stuff or anything like that, because it'll be a little pain, like little pain in there that like weakens my hand. Um, but for the most part, yeah, when I'm when I'm doing that, it's not that bad because you know you're just jumping and then you kind of turn around and ride back, and it's so you get a little you get breaks, you know, most of the time in between. Yeah. And that, that keeps it from flaring up and stuff. Where, like, the actual, you know, supercross and motocross, it's just non stop 
kind of beating on it. And so it's always, it's been a struggle since then just to like keep it, you know, like some days it's good and I'll go out and I'll ride. I'll be able to keep the inflammation down and feel awesome. And then you start to think, oh man, this is like, I feel pretty good. But then you, and then you go the next, you know, two days later you go and it's all flared up and basically imagine like the worst arm pump you've ever had, but like one lap in. <laughs> Nice. Wait, it's, you're not supposed to have arm pump one lap in? I mean, generally not. Oh, okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so with, uh, it just depends. Yeah. Like injuries seem to be part of every motocrosser story. You know, if you're going to go out there and hit big jumps and have fun, you're probably going to break some things. Um, when, uh, leading up to this year's monster energy cup, you know, going into there, like, how are you feeling? Like, was any of this stuff lingering? Like, did you feel like you, you're, you know, obviously your whips are up there with the top guys, as you showed, but what was your confidence like going into this, and um, how are you feeling? I mean, go, going in, I, I actually felt pretty good. Um, you know, a couple months, I think, before that, actually out at Wyvern, I uh, almost had a little spill and kind of jacked my leg up a little bit. Uh, I don't even know what, you know, what I really did. It was just like a, where that outside bone on your leg kind of comes into your knee. I kind of damaged that ligament a little bit. Yeah. And so I was kind of, I was kind of like relaxing a little bit and, uh, you know, just at home and whatever. And, and then I actually got the, you know, invite to go. So I was like, well, shoot, I better, I better start to practice, but I was still kind of had that injury lingering. So I was, kind of just being really easy and trying not to ride too much. And, and I, I picked it up as as it went on, but I, you know, I honestly didn't really start practicing for it till maybe like three weeks before because I was kind of like making sure my leg was okay. And then, and then I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to start too early and kind of, because, you know, you can only do so many like whips. When, when you do them over and over and over again, like there, there comes a point when you start to, you just get either sloppy or, you know, you, I don't know, you're, you just lose kind of the focus because you've been doing so many. So I didn't, I didn't want to wear myself out before I got there. So I kind of like delayed, you know, I saw all the other guys were practicing and practicing and, you know, it kind of made me, you know, I was like, crap, I, I got to practice. But I didn't, you know, I tried to like hold out as long as I could to make sure I, I wanted to try to be like primed when I got there and not so much, you know, worn out or anything. Yeah, do it your own way, and uh, however you feel you're you're prepared and ready to go, uh, go out there and kill it with some uh, quiet confidence that you've got some pretty serious uh, skills on the bike. Speaking of that uh, Monster Cup, you had to do the day qualifier to get in, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, a bunch of us. It's kind of funny because we, you know, at first, I actually wasn't even invited, so that was another reason why I kind of started practicing late is because they sent out the invites, but I didn't actually get one until, actually, I never even got one. <laughs> the thing that's kind of funny about it is uh, I never even knew um, I was even in it. And then one day, my buddy uh, texted me, and he was like, I forgot what he said, something like, you must be doing cartwheels right now or something. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you didn't see the video? And I, you know, I was like, what are, I don't, still don't know what you're talking about. He's like, he's like, they posted the, the Dirt Shark with video, like your, your name's on it. And so, you know, I went online and watched the promo video for it. And of course, that uh, was, 
You're the last to know. And that was, yeah, that was the first I that I had no idea I was going to be in it and until is, they put the promo video up. Is that when the cartwheel started? Yeah, actually, I, actually, not even, not even then. I wasn't even. I was like, wait a second, like this is, this is a joke because I didn't. Nobody told me anything. I never got an invite, and I knew I knew other guys like actually got emailed. So I was just kind of unsure, like. Okay, let me let me make sure this is actually true before I get excited. Because, you know, it's, it's kind of been one of those things, like, you know, I've been doing whips for a while. Like, obviously, the, I've gotten better at them, you know. But I felt like past years, you know, I've tried to get into X Games and stuff like that. But, you know, no luck there. So, you know, this was kind of the first one that was, they were inviting more people. And it was going to be judged and all that. So... At first, when I didn't get the invite, I was like, oh, crap, like, dang, I can't believe I missed this one, too. Oh. And then, uh, you know, finally at, made it in. And at first, did you was, think that they were referring to the, at first, you did you think they were um, referring to the Tom Parsons, who uh, is a um, high jump competitor from uh, the UK? <laughs> is there really a guy? There's a, a, a <laughs> Thomas true? Martin... Thomas Martin Parsons, who's uh, born in 1984, uh, and uh, he's from the United Kingdom, and he represented the UK in uh, the Olympics. I was wondering if you maybe had, had thought that that was the confusion. Oh, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't even know that guy. Are you guys looking this up online right now? Yeah, I ended up reading about that guy for a good five minutes when I was trying to find <laughs> so your this, website earlier. So this, <laughs> this tells us that you've never Googled yourself. No, that's... The only thing I know, I think that one guy has the same name as me. And I think he, he owns like uh, cheapflights.com or something. I think it's like a, you know, buy airplane, tickets, tickets cheap, whatever. Sweet. So speaking of, you mentioned that promo but, video for the Monster Cup event. Um, there was some almost smack talk going around in that video about it, you know, being the first judged contest ever and not being about Twitter votes and stuff. Like, how did it feel? going and taking the top spot in that thing, especially being probably one of the more lesser-known guys in there. Yeah, it actually, I mean, yeah, it was, pretty, I mean, it was pretty awesome. It was, you know, when I got there, I mean, this kind of goes back to your other question you're asking just about the day, but, you know, they the only guys they let into the final automatically, had, you had to have a gold medal at X Games Best Whip. And possibly so, sponsored by Monster. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hurt. Possibly. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't hurt. No. But they, they did have riders in the qualifier, so I'll give, uh, you know. That's but, yeah, so, you know, obviously Twitch, Tammy, Podfather, and uh, EP, have all, they've all won gold medals, so that all four of them were in. And then they had three spots out of the, I think there were ten of us in the qual- qualifier. And, and you were uh, up against some heavy competition, too. Yeah, the, I mean, the qualifier was, was nuts. I mean, I got there, I got there the day before, and, you know, a few of us uh, had to help set up the ramps. They, need, they needed some guys to test it, so it was, it was me and Cantrell and, and Brett Q setting up the outside ramps, and then Twitch and Hanny were there to set the inside one. So we got, a, you know, I got, I got a little bit of practice, um, you know, got a little bit of a feel for the ramps the day before. Um, but they actually had two ramps and the one we were all hitting most because it was the best one was the one on the right that was going away from the pit area because it was slightly uphill. So when they told us we were only hitting the, the other one, 
was like we were all bummed because we'd hit the other one the day before and it was way better. Um, but yeah, I don't know. As soon as that day started, I mean, it was nuts from the beginning. I mean, literally five minutes into the first practice, everybody was throwing probably the biggest whips I've seen from that many people in my life. Well, yeah, everyone's going to be throwing their A game down just to qualify. Yeah, and so it was crazy. I mean, it, I mean, we still had another a whole other fifteen minute practice in the qualifiers, and people were already, I mean, just launching it. Hmm. And I, I knew right then I was like, "Holy crap!" Like, I better be ready to throw the biggest whips of my life, or I'm not even going to make it into this thing. Yeah, you're going to have to uncork and, uh, something special. Yeah, so it was. <laughs> It was intense. Honestly, the day part, I think it kind of helped me a little because the daytime was so gnarly and intense with 10 guys going around in a circle throwing huge whips, um, and it was like faster pace. So I think that actually helped me because then when I got to the night show, it was a little calmer and there were less guys. I felt more relaxed and like, I don't know, just overall better and more prepared once I got there. Well, you definitely killed it, that's for sure. I know I was rooting for you from the first time you hit the ramp, watched it on TV. That was uh, pretty ridiculous. All right, here's some commercials. Make sure to listen to them all, and there'll be more from DNA right after these. Make your way down to Westside Honda Polaris and check out the brand new Honda Grom. Honda's revolutionary 125cc fuel-injected mini-moto ultimate weapon. A must-see for all motocross enthusiasts. From the Grom to the usual suspects like the CBR600RR, CRF450R, Westside Honda Polaris of Suffolk, Manitoba has you covered. Check them out on the web at westsidehonda.ca. Call toll-free at 1-888-482-7782. Boom! Westside! So, do you like stuff? Or possibly things? How about a huge selection of motocross and street bike gear from apparel brands like Troy Designs, Alias, Icon, and power bands every single color you can think of? How about 25 years of custom suspension and motor service for a full service shop? All of which you can find at Capital Motorsports. Mention this Big MX podcast to receive a VP gas can with Spout for only $40, as well as 100% off your next set of motocross tires. Just kidding, we can't back that up, but ask for about it anyway. Check out Capital Motorsports at 157 St. Anne's Road, Winnipeg, Manitoba, or call them, not so toll-free, at 204-237-6686. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us.
Cereal B's Amigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. But uh, switching gears to, you know, the FMX side of things, because everyone knows you can toss gigantic whips. I personally think you're a cyborg sent back in time to throw a bike upside down in the air. You're not human. But uh, you've kind of been pigeonholed as a whip guy, but you also have some pretty big tricks, too, when it's you know comes to regular ramp stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, what you're working on, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, you know I can I can throw a few tricks here and there, but uh, I have fun doing it. You know, honestly, I probably should have took maybe the FMX a little more serious a few years ago. I don't know. I just you know knowing knowing what tricks I could do before and up to now and stuff, I'm like, well, shoot, I could have been I could have been a lot better at actual freestyle right now. But I've always kind of been in between the still trying to race supercross, doing the freestyle, like, kind of mixture thing. And, you know, kind of, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, when someone asks me if I want to go ride or go hit the ramps, I'm going to go ride the track. So it's like, it makes it tough to concentrate fully on, on the ramps and stuff because I still like the moto so much. But uh, I've been trying, I've been doing a little better, like, this past year. I've been trying to spend a little bit more time on the ramps, actually, actually learning some new tricks because I, I, you know, I want to do a little more FMX like from now on. And so, yeah, so I'm just trying to learn some stuff here and there and hopefully, you know, i got a few other things I'm working on. I'm, you know, hoping to flip eventually here uh, when I get riding again. And then got a couple, couple of other things up, up my sleeve I want to do that I'm kind of working on that are kind of in the early stages. I've definitely noticed uh, some big stuff out of you, that's for sure. I've seen some big cliffhangers and switchblades and stuff popping up on your Instagram. I follow pretty closely, so that's super awesome. Um, You had mentioned Mike Metzger earlier in the old Terra Firma videos and stuff, which is something, you know, I spent every minute of my life watching when I wasn't riding. Um, You've got some cool pictures of really styly, like, whip grabs and stuff and kind of fender grabs looking like, almost like snowboarding tricks. Is that stuff you're kind of pulling from the old Godfather style, or is that coming from your snowboarding background? Yeah, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not even sure. I, I definitely I definitely looked up to Mike Metzger for sure. I always thought he just he made everything look cool. The guy could do like a can-can, and it would look cool. And he, just, he had such good style when, whenever he did tricks and stuff. But <laughs> I know I tried to bite grab, a lot of his style, <laughs> that's for sure. With my freestyle yeah. career, I basically tried to copy everything he did because he was the most badass guy at the time. Especially, I noticed back it was I think the second year of the whole uh, IFMA tour. It wasn't even called the IFMA thing back in the day. I forget what it was called, but he was doing uh, whip stalefish grabs. He was calling me, whip it out, and he'd grab the backside of the fender. And I just noticed you had some pictures up of that uh, probably a week ago or so, which was yeah. super cool. And that's the first thing I thought of right off the bat. And that's uh, where that question comes from. So. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did he used to do those rear fender grabs. He used to do he used to do really big whip knacks too, which I'm like, you know, I'm kind of more of a whip knack guy than like the I don't know, I guess the traditional like McGrath style where it's more sideways. Yeah, you take it more like flat and upside down and hang off the bottom. And make us wish we could do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, if that if you're with one kind foot- of 
if your one foot slipped off, that would just like don't even think about it. But like I have, that would just be terrible. Yeah, I've I've actually had it slip off a couple times while I was doing that one, but. Normally, there's like a point kind of where your foot, when you take your foot over the seat, uh, that's kind of where it will slip. Once your foot's like down and you're actually like fully extended, I guess it, it puts quite a bit of weight on that toe. But I've had it slip just bringing the foot over. But luckily, it's like at a good spot that you, you can kind of just pull yourself back on. Or I just turn it into a... Like, yeah, just turn it into a nine o'clock knack and pretend like that's what you're doing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's just I'm not really good at those like nine o'clock knacks. I've been I've been trying to learn those ones, but I'm so scared because I can't I like can't I can't do them without whipping it kind of far. Yeah. But then it scares me because I'm like, crap! I'm I'm whipping it out like way too far to just be learning these. Mm-hmm. So I've been I've been struggling with that one a little bit, but. That's a first world problem to uh, to be to be whipping it out too hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's a problem we all wish we had. Yeah, like right that's, that's not something I've ever dealt with, there, Tom. You're not getting much sympathy from this end of the table. Over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it'll be good. It'll be good when I learn it, but not, but it's making me struggle to learn it right now. So, Fair enough. yeah, poor but you. That's actually that. That's a trick. I really like that trick, though. So. <laughs> Guys like the way a couple guys do it, like Thomas Paget and, and Bill Bamberger, like the two that do them that way all the time, and they're just, I want to do them like that. Well, see, uh, that's one of my questions I wrote down here. Like, what is your favorite trick to do versus, like, pictures of it? You know what I mean? Like, some pictures, I'm sure, look cooler, but some tricks feel cooler to do. Like, what's your favorite trick, uh to actually do, and then what's your favorite kind of, like, picture trick that you think looks the coolest? That's a good question. Um, I think what what actually feels cool. I think uh, what would it be? Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, probably one that I think feels really cool is when you do, a one like, a one-handed seat grab, but you get the, like, real extended far back off the bike. So mm-hmm. I feel like that looks cool, but when I do it, it doesn't look that cool because... <laughs> I'm not that good at them, <laughs> but well, maybe if, if you I, quit breaking your arms, straight, yeah. yeah, I need something. I don't know what, but that that one, I make them look ugly, but they feel awesome when I do them. Some yeah. guys will make, you know. I feel that I way about my awesome. riding in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it happens. So and like, I, I feel it more on tricks. I I probably feel the same way doing tricks because like. I mean, I can tell, I can tell when I don't extend or I'm like bent funny, and it's like it's so annoying because I know I know I'm doing it, and I'm just like, why don't I just stop this? Why can't I just do this right? <laughs> so, uh, who like who who do you like riding with? Like, uh, what um, what guys would you uh, would you like going out to the hills or going out to the local track and hitting ramps like? Who are fun guys out there that you enjoy going out and ripping with? Uh, I mean, I guess I have some. I actually got a lot of people I, I do like to ride with, but um, I mean, as far as who I do ride with a lot, I guess when I'm when I'm over here on the on the East Coast, you know, I like to ride with Jimmy D a lot. A lot of people know Jimmy Dakotas, but yeah, yeah, I've known him for a lot of years, and he's 
obviously he rips on a bike, but he's also, he loves hitting the big jumps and the ramps and whipping it just as much as I do. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty awesome when we get, get to ride together or he comes over because we'll <laughs> we practice some motos and then spend the next three hours just jumping the dirt hits in the ramps. But uh, I'd say probably him for here and then uh, Ronnie Renner is, you know, for out in California, I spend a lot of time riding with him. And, you know, I go on his free ride tours and all that stuff. And he's been a pretty, really big influence as far as like free riding and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, definitely. Cause, you know, I come from Florida where you, you don't even really, there isn't really any free riding in Florida. And, uh, you know, he took me to my first dunes. Uh, he took me to Ocotillo for the first time. Mud Hill. And, uh, you know, ever since then, ever since then, I've been going to all his free ride tours every year. And going out there all the time, and I just have a—I have a huge interest in free riding. I just had never experienced it until until I started riding with him a lot. That that uh, free ride movement is that kind of where the whole subgenre of the freestyle motocross racers have uh, have developed. Like you're. Uh, it's kind of breaking a, apart from the, uh, the the ramp trick guys. Is there's be, developed a whole other basic division of uh, of freestyle guys. How did that all develop with um, guys who have become basically whip artists? Um, that's their kind of bread and butter. And um, kind of explain how that really came about. Like maybe you had a couple of uh, riding buddies who you just kind of started all egging each other on of who's gonna who's gonna do the most ridiculous whip or who can be uh the most come up with the most variations yeah i mean well as far as like the whip progressing obviously it's been i i mean it's been progressing a lot the last couple of years but um you know obviously Renner was always a big whipper so i riding with him i get influence from there and jimmy d is actually i mean he throws some, some big ones down too and i always got yeah, he can smoke me on the track, so I always have to have something. So <laughs> I have to throw a bigger whip. And, you know, I slowly just got better and better. And just, I don't know, I'd see videos of the guys, like, you know, because for a long time, it, you know, I never really rode with other guys that whipped real big, like Cantrell or Manny or, you know, I mean, Twitch, all the guys basically that ride next games and all that stuff. So I'd see the videos and stuff, and that was kind of like my motivation to see what I could do. I just, I never really knew, like, how far it would go. Well, and uh, um, when we were out there in California, like, I, it was awesome to watch from the base of the ramp and watch you guys hit this thing all day. And you kind of have developed a style where I noticed you kind of pull hard off the ramp and then pull yourself kind of up into the bike to get it even more up, like, or more vertical, if that's what you want to call it. Like, uh, is this something you kind of picked up from watching everyone else, or is this something you kind of developed on your own? Um, it, I mean, it, there's kind of like a a standard way to whip, I guess. Or at least there's kind of a technique to it. And, you know, I, you basically, everybody has a different style, right? I mean, yeah. if you watch, obviously, you see there's tons of different whips, different people whip different ways. But um, you kind of start with the basic, you know, how you take off the ramp and kind of get under the bike. And then from there, it's just been, you kind of just figure it out. And, you know, when I was kind of getting ready for Monster Cup, I I was really practicing a lot 
kind of on just my technique of whipping so that I was just trying to be real consistent with taking off the ramp, just having my position right to be in a good spot to get under the bike and everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think that helped, helped me overall just getting better and better at it. But, um, I think as far as how the whip starts and everything, like most of the guys are pretty similar. But then, you know, once you get in there, the styles change quite a bit. Definitely. And I think your practicing uh, and consistency at the Monster Energy Cup is what really led to your victory, being you had left way, right way, kind of turn down whips, traditional moto whips, and uh, you just had everything down smooth and... Um, kind of every style of whip, if you want to call it. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's something I've always, I've worked on is, I've always kind of whipped both ways, um, but my opposite way was a lot weaker. Um, so I, like, I worked on trying to get that a little better, and then just different stuff, you know? I, I just like to have a variety of things I can do, and, uh, you know, turn down and everything, and, like the grass and all that, even though you weren't allowed to do it, well, that actually kind of bummed me out a little bit because I did want to do some of my grab trick stuff that I do when I whip, but right. we weren't allowed to at the Monster Cup, so I had to had to leave those out. Keep your hands on the bars. Yeah, yeah, hands and feet can't couldn't come off or you got disqualified. Hmm. Um, for those who, uh, aren't super, super familiar with your stuff, or maybe that, that can't tell the difference between your, uh, your natural side of whipping, are you, are you willing to, uh, divulge, uh, the answer to that? Like, are, are, are do you go left or you, do, do, do you go right? Uh, I go, let's see, if I go up the ramp, I lean to the left, is like my natural way. That's, uh, that's... You can definitely tell now. <laughs> Believe it or not, there is a more there. Like most people are, uh, go left rather than right. Um, coming from a uh, either snowboard, like when I, I'd imagine if you for for snowboarding, you probably spin to the right as well or the left. I mean, uh, actually, I don't. I think I would. I think I'd go better to the right. Really, it's kind of weird. I I'm not sure. Like what? I honestly, I think it's whatever you started with when you I were guess. younger. Yeah. Um, well, are you goofy or regular? Some, you know, so that's what's weird is I, I am regular footed, but I, I stand regular, but I'm left footed. So it's kind of like a little weird. Hey man, you're the one who said it's weird. Um, uh, I, I thought you were pretty normal, but if you think you're weird, uh, I'll yeah, have to right. take your word for I'm going to fight you well, on that one, Tom. Well, I always thought, I mean, I, most people I knew that told me they were like, that were left footed told me they were goofy also. So I always thought it was, I was like, well, wait, why am I left-footed, but I am regular. That doesn't make sense. Well, maybe it's what Lee was saying. Maybe you are a mutant cyborg from the future. We're not ruling that out maybe. yet. I'm going to have you tested. But it also... <laughs> but but because I was left-footed, it always made me want to push Mongo on a skateboard, which was never cool. No, dude. <laughs> you, you almost just got grounded right there just for saying that. You might as well put some rollerblades on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I got I got plenty for that. Nice. Well, honestly, I'm pumped to hear that you grew up kind of in the skate and snowboard background because uh, obviously that's what I'm into here, whatever. Um, and think of that like, um, okay, I got a question. Like, what sponsors are helping you out now? But what would your dream sponsor be like out of the industry? Like, not an industry sponsor, obviously, but uh, 
what's your dream out of industry sponsor? Oh man, out of the industry. There's, I don't even think those don't even exist, do they? Yeah, I know. No kidding. Yeah. You'd have to think of something. That's like, that's like a dream. That's like a dream for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Nike. Um, I think, uh, I mean, right now I, I have a lot of, you know, really good people behind me, obviously like alias for my gear, 100% my goggles, uh, CD boots, SMS, uh, 139.9s. Uh, engine ice, factory connection, UVS. Who else? There's a few uh, fuel clothing and fuel socks. And, gotta have the socks, yeah. Yeah, you gotta have the socks. Yeah, I seen that post today. Um, um, uh, um uh, we haven't got into it, but uh, you recently have broken your leg. Um, but it seems that you're back on the exercise bike already and, uh, you know, making another recovery, should we say. <laughs> yeah. Wait, should I go into that or finish with these sponsors here? Sorry, yeah. Keep going, going with the more. sponsors. I'm sorry. There's uh, some obstacles in your way in the form of Chris Mellon. Yeah, I'm a blurter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Squirrel. I mean, I definitely have some other, other people that help me out. And, I mean, anybody that gives me support, like... The you know, I definitely appreciate it, and it you know makes it easier for me to keep doing this because it's not cheap in any way. But um, you know, it, they, they've been awesome. I have I have a really good relationship with quite a few of them. Where you know I'm friends with them and talk to you know the rep or whoever you know on a regular basis, and hopefully that'll lead to more things in the future, and you know maybe get some more stuff. Right. Hoping to move up. You know, I was probably the only guy at the Monster Energy Cup that didn't get his pipe or boots or anything for free. <laughs> wow. Um, looking towards the future a little bit, uh, do you hope to, to get on one of those tours like a, um, a Nuclear Cowboys? Uh, yeah, that would actually, that would definitely be something I, I thought about. Um, I think any of those ones, they're all obviously really cool and give an opportunity for you to, to make some good money doing something you like. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, I mean, I can't say I'm not, I'm definitely not at the point. I'm not, I mean, those guys are all ridiculous. I mean, the tricks they do is it's pretty insane, but you know, I hope if, you know, if I keep working, maybe I could end up on something like that or nitro circus. I just, Got to come up with some more stuff, I guess. I need I need a trick that nobody does, or it has to be my lips maybe bigger. I don't Tri- know. Triple backflip, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to come up with something. I, I don't know what yet, but that would be a definitely cool, cool way to go. And I mean, I think in the future and stuff like that's, you know, you can only, you don't make that much racing anyways, <laughs> unless you're a factory rider and yeah. You know, you can only do that. You can you can only do that for so long, and uh, you know, the freestyle you can kind of maintain a, a certain level and be on those tours and stuff like that a lot a lot longer. Um, just uh, quick, like uh, quickly, like almost kind of. I wouldn't say wrapping up, but just um, give me a good idea of of your progression through the the whips, like. 
like clearly you didn't go from uh, doing straight airs on an 80 to getting absolutely upside down. Uh, there must have been some scary moments for you uh, doing whips. Uh, what was the scariest moment that you can uh, recollect that hasn't been washed away through head injuries um, uh, that you can recall from uh, progressing your whips? You know, I mean, I, I, I started learning to whip it, you know, when I was pretty young, and I just kind of did it for fun, and it wasn't until a few years ago that I started getting pretty good at it, where I actually thought, oh, like, maybe I could be in some contests or something, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, it was, you know, it's a long time, doing it for a long time, it slowly pro- progressed, and I just got better at it, and then... Um, you know, a few years ago, I started to take it a little more seriously and actually kind of put a little bit of work into it and, and stuff like that. But as far as, I mean, I've never, I mean, there's been some sketchy moments, but actually doing like the upside down or flat, like regular style whips have never been, I've never really felt too, too bad doing those. Um, it's, made, it's more the turndowns. Like the turndowns are the ones that, that'll get you. Yeah. So I've had a couple. I've had a couple with turndowns where you just don't quite get the right. It's hard to describe, but it's when you flat with it. Like if you don't get the right, you know, right off the ramp. If it's not quite right, you can just not whip it as hard, and it'll come back and everything like that. But when you're doing a turndown, if you you get a weird pull off the ramp, uh, you can either slide off it. And you kind of go into this uncontrolled turn down, mm-hmm. which is hard to bring back. I'd imagine because it's uncontrolled. Or you go into this other, or you can go into a turn down where it's like you're just in a weird position. I've had a couple where they they just kind of went around and, and got stuck one one or two times because of the way I pulled off the ramp. One time because of wind, which was probably the scariest one. But yeah, those the turn downs are definitely just like the scariest to me. I've had a couple, couple that were pretty good. One in Wyvern, where I landed probably 45 degrees sideways on the landing, and I don't have any idea how I didn't crash. It's because you're a mutant cyborg from the future. We're still on to you. Yeah. <laughs> Drive that one home. Um, I'll, I'll give it to quality suspension. <laughs> there you go. And, and who who does do your suspension? It's, I'm in factory connection. That's right, yeah. It'll, it'll keep you from wrecking on turndown. Actually, I probably shouldn't say that. At all. That, that's, a, that's a testimonial. 100% I can go get some factory connection suspension on my 05 Kawasaki 252-stroke and start throwing some <laughs> nasty uh, turndowns. I'm Tom landing P. at said 45 so. degrees. And landing at 45 yeah. degrees, but still pulling it out. Um, if I was a, uh, a young man or a young rider looking to uh, try some whips – or uh, begin the progression towards uh, getting a little bit sideways on the bike. Um, what would be some of your your, your initial tips uh, from like uh, just to get going? Um, make sure you're a good rider first. Yeah. <laughs> first okay. and foremost. And remember, we're up in um, Canada, so nobody sues anyone here. You're not held liable for anything. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> Oh, well, then there's nothing. Go off the ramp, hit a ramp at 75 feet, get under the bike, and just pull it. Yeah, second gear pinned, lean to the left, and pull. 
yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's something you work on. It's honestly my biggest thing. A lot that I just try to tell people is even if you're just gonna like you know, there's guys that just want to do that for next, but yeah, it's you need to have the like skills that riding motocross brings you. I mean, honestly, I I think a lot of the reason I I can whip the way I can is because of like the technique and stuff I learned when I was younger from Gary Daly and stuff and, and the fact of all the years I had experience wise, you know, mm-hmm. racing and stuff. Yeah. Well, and you can definitely and, tell the guys out on, uh, hitting the freestyle ramps or, you know, like you said, the, the wannabe freestyle riders, you can quickly tell which ones have skills on the track. Like, well, yeah. Which one are racers, which ones are just freestyle guys. Cause, uh, yeah, like getting to know your bike, I guess would be the first step. Yeah, and it, it really does make a difference. And, I mean, you see it now a lot with the guys. Like, there's a lot of guys that, you know, come up, and they're they're only freestyle riders. They've never really raced or anything like that. Um, but those guys, a lot of them go to the track a lot, and they ride moto a lot. You know, they're, you know, they don't plan to race supercross or do anything like that, but, you know, just the fact that they see the importance in that, you know, I, I think it's really important because even just doing tricks, you know, the the better you are at controlling your bike and the more consistent you can hit the jump, the, the faster you're going to be able to learn a trick. And, you know, that's my my big advice for anybody that just wants to whip or do freestyle or anything is that even if you're not going to race, just spend some time at the track and, you know, the better you are with your bike, the quicker and safer you're going to learn stuff like that. No, definitely. And uh, looking into your uh, Facebook pages and stuff, um, it seems uh, you're big into uh, music and photography. Uh, when did you kind of, and how did you get into that uh, little offshoot adventure? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, music is just kind of something, you know, I've grown up with. I honestly, from way back in the day, one of the first shows I ever went to was a Strung Out concert. And uh, it was actually back in the day when Moto Triple X was going on. The shop that I rode for was actually the sponsor of Moto Triple X. And so they would have those, uh, you know, like pro signature night things before a Supercross. And they used to have an Orlando one here and Daytona. Yep, and yeah. uh, and so, yeah, the one year, I mean, this is when I rode like 80s, I think. Um, they played, they, because, you know, obviously Jordan is one of the owners the Triple X, and he's a drummer strung out, so they actually played out of a van at the shop for the, the pro night. And the funny thing is, like, you know, I didn't really have, like, that much interest in music or anything like that at that point, because I was pretty young, and I ended up, like, winning one of their CDs in the raffle, and and that was, like, my became my favorite CD. Was, was that the original I mean, Moto Triple X soundtrack? It was uh, it was strung out. It was a strung out CD, uh, suburban teenage wasteland blues. Nice. Probably probably handed to you by a young Kenneth Watson. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know who gave it to me. He might he might have been there. Honestly, I don't even know. But I was just like super pumped on it, and that that kind of like shaped where I went. Obviously, like a lot of punk music and stuff like that. So nice. it kind of shaped where my music taste went, and. Uh, Obviously, Moto Triple X soundtrack and everything was always like the best one for that, that and all that. And then 
you know, at one point, eventually at some point I got some drums and started playing with that a lot. So sweet, well, more just for fun. But, uh, you know, I always had friends and bands and stuff like that. So I ended up being around music a lot while I grew up, you know, through high school and all that stuff. And then, and then, yeah, the photography was just, uh, I actually did some work for this magazine called Moda Playground. I don't know if you guys know that one up there, but yeah, oh yeah, that's mostly uh, amateur stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's an amateur motocross magazine. Um, you know, for it's still around now. I, I don't, I haven't seen them in a while because you know I don't spend a lot of time at like amateur races so much. But um, for a while there, I was kind of in between. Uh, you know, just doing some supercross and doing some other stuff. And it's kind of like right when I was healing from my arms. It's kind of when I met the guys and, uh, just randomly started kind of doing stuff with them. And then I had my own article in there, you know, for like a year where I just kind of, I don't know, more like advice and stuff for the amateur kids that were like trying to work their way up to pro and whatnot. And, yeah, that's actually where the photography came because they made me go take pictures and I was terrible at it and I had like the crappiest camera but after I like took a few it like got me real interested in I wanted to learn a little more and then like once, once I learned a little bit more about it it just like took off from there and then you know the last couple of years I've you know really done a lot with it I guess maybe not a lot but I wish I could do more it's just like most of the time when I go places, I'm going to ride, so I'm like, ah, well, I guess I can't take pictures, but I'd like to do that more, you know, in the future, maybe something, you know, I'm hoping, so I just kind of, like, keep working on it, and hopefully, sometime in the future, maybe I can take Garth Malone's job. Heck yeah. <laughs> more about the uh, the music thing. I noticed the other day you posted uh, about the new Comeback Kid album, which is a uh, band from Winnipeg where we're from actually which is sweet yeah the, the old Canadians yeah those guys are a good band I've I don't even know how long I've, I've been listening to them for a really long time but yeah they I mean they you know, obviously tour and stuff in the US so I've been to quite a few of their shows back in the day but yeah that's a, yeah I've definitely that's, uh, a, that's a solid band I've definitely seen my fair share growing up I've grew up kind of in the punk and hardcore scene and metal scene around here um Tell us about your drumming. How uh, how good of a drummer are you? I'd like to know. I play some drums as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that good. It's <laughs> I I mean, I, I I'm all right. I mean, I've never like tra- I've never been in a band or anything like that. And I actually started. I wish I would have started when I was really early, but or really young, I guess. But I when I was like a teenager, my parents would never like purchase one for me. So it took me a while to save money, and I was bought my own. But, uh, yeah, it's it's something I really like. I wish I could spend more time doing it, but it's, you know, it's a, I have all my, like, it's all in Florida, uh, you know, where I'm from, so I spend a lot of time in California and all that stuff, and, you yeah. know, don't ever, I won't see a drum set for, like, six months, so it really doesn't help my progression at all. You grew up in the, in the birthplace of death metal, that's for sure. Are we going to maybe, uh, when it's time to hang up the old boots, hear some uh, blast beats and double kicks of the old Tom Parsons in a band? <laughs> uh, 
You can join like the Face Melters or Shit like Tankers. Shit Tankers is a classic. We don't have any shows, but we're still a band. So if you want to be part of a band, we can obviously oh, yeah? take care of that. I got a spot for you. I got a kit in the basement waiting for you. So uh, do you want to be part of the Shit Tankers or the Butt Snatchers? Oh, we, man. Do I have to choose one? Well, <laughs> it's up to you, man. You can be drummers in both if you really want to commit. Or you can be backup vocals in either one. Yeah, I can, I can do that. Yeah, fuck yeah. So, so now you're what in a band. There you go. Welcome to the Shit Tankers. You're a new drummer. Uh, <laughs> you guys have some t-shirts? <laughs> well, we're going to make some now. I have a Sharpie and a white t-shirt, so uh, that's super easy. Dude, you got to get, get some shirts now. Now I, got, now I have some merch to sell when I'm at. Yeah, you got some expectations to live up to now. Well, Absolutely. And, and what kid wouldn't want to wear a t-shirt with shit tankers emblazoned on the front of it? <laughs> yeah. Not entirely sure that they'd be allowed to wear that to school, but uh, getting back to a more serious note, um, you've got the number 930 um, uh, across all of your, your number plates. Um what does that number mean to you as I see that you've you had it uh, way back on your two stroke Yamaha days? Um, where does that go, where does that number pop up uh, for you? Uh, it's actually I mean honestly it it actually doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well it means something to us. Not not to let it, not not to let anybody down, but yeah. I, I actually when I was an amateur rider I, I my number was fifteen. But obviously, I uh, I wasn't going to get that number when I turned pro, and uh, I had to take uh, what they gave me, pretty much. That that was actually the number the AMA gave me because since I couldn't get 15, I was like, well, oh, shoot, what like what do I pick? And I had no no clue, so I was like, you know what? I'll just let them choose the number for me, and uh, hope I get a good one. So Tom, okay, what? Little thing I like to do here. I'm gonna name uh, somebody's name, and I just want you to tell us uh, the first story that pops to your head about this person. G-rated, X-rated doesn't matter. Uh, up to you how much you want to throw them under the bus, or you can actually make something up. That's totally fine too. So a uh, uh, guy who really impressed me out there that's kind of making a splash is uh, Wanky uh, Genki One Tanabi. Um, what's uh, First story pops in your head about him? Uh, yes, that guy. Actually, he. Um, I think I only I only rode with him once or twice. I think. Um, but from what I mean, what I could tell, he was a super nice guy. Um, I talked to him for a little bit, and uh, he. Uh, I mean, he's a good rider. I definitely see him, you know, being pretty good in the future. Like his tricks. He has a. Definitely like a little different style with his tricks and everything, and a couple of them are are huge. Yeah, some of his so combos. I, are I really like... expect to see him. Yeah, he seems like uh, a guy that you're probably gonna hear a lot about, you know, in the next few years. Definitely. 
Um, uh, Jay and now uh, a guy you share half your name with, uh, Les Parsons. <laughs> oh, yeah, Les. <laughs> yeah, Les. Yeah, Les is an awesome dude. He's, uh, I ride with him up the Wyvern when I get a chance, and, uh, he's a, you know, he's a really good rider. He, he's a guy I'd like to see maybe get more shows and, like, make a little more money riding so that he can just ride more. Yeah. He's definitely he's definitely gotten a lot better, a lot quicker than look like a lot of people I've seen you know in the past and even now you know he's he definitely has some good bike skills and I think I think if he just got the chance to maybe ride a little more he would really really progress you know yeah like uh, today uh, turned down Tuesday or Thursday whatever fucking day it is but. Uh... Yeah, no, I think he killed it today. He uh, won the internet for the day, definitely. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, the, the Renner Tour to Glamis? Uh, tell us a little story of uh, maybe some debauchery that goes on there. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a trip to the, to the dunes with a bunch of wild dudes. Um, yeah, it's uh, turned into something I can actually tell you. <laughs> so you guys just pretty much sit around and uh, play cards and uh, <clears throat> tell ghost stories. Maybe roast some marshmallows. So, so it's a lot of shuffleboard yeah, in the sand. <laughs> in the oh yeah, you got sand out there. I guess. But no, it's it's a, it's always a good time. Like the it's I'd say they're a little bit calmer now because there's not as many people. Um, just since it's changed when it was Red Bull a couple of those were really wild because obviously you know when Red Bull does an event they like to put a lot of money into it I guess and uh, you know they would have a they would have a DJ and you know a lot of people that were you know employees of Red Bull and stuff would come on the tours and so you know, it's probably a little bit more wild then, but it it still gets pretty uh pretty good out there with all the GoPro people. You know, it's uh people who don't necessarily have to ride the next day. Yeah, I I'd say that's probably the biggest problem is they still gotta get up and work, but they don't have to film a ride and they they trick people, especially Ronnie, <laughs> and then. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. And then when, you, then when you wake up the next morning, you're just like, hmm. I bet but you there's a lot of, it's, yeah, a lot of wondering what happened, uh, the night before. Uh, what about, uh, a, a, sorry? Uh, no, I was going to say, it's definitely a fun time. I mean, it, everybody, like, gets their job done during the day, and then when, when night comes and everybody can let loose, especially when it's at the end, um, it, it definitely gets pretty fun. Sometimes a little dangerous because you there there is a big fire. Anytime there's a fire and you're in the dunes, there's like big safety concerns. <laughs> when there's uh, Coors lights and race gas around, yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, and some fireworks and stuff. They definitely don't like fireworks in Utah. I, I like fireworks in Utah. Utah yeah. does not like fireworks well, in Utah. We, 
we all we all did too, and then it ended real quickly. <laughs> they don't like anything in Utah. I lived there for a while. I know. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, a good story about the Wyvern compound? I mean, we got lucky enough to get let in uh, the gate there, and um, um, yeah, tell us a story about maybe something that went on at the Wyvern compound there, because I'm sure it's uh, endless possibilities at that place. Oh yeah, that. I mean, that place is pretty awesome. I mean, you, you got to see it, so it was, I mean, the potential there is insane. You know, the people there are awesome, and I just, you know, I'd like to do some more. I honestly, it kind of sucks with my leg and stuff, because I was, I already talked to them a little bit about uh, once it rained, help coming out and helping out and stuff, because I had a bunch of ideas up in the hills where some of the big jumps were to build quite a few like new the three rackets and stuff up there and kind of make it into almost a full kind of free ride thing where you could maybe even just keep moving around and jumping stuff but um yeah yeah i mean it has everything you need and it's an awesome place so hopefully you know i want to go there more in the future and hopefully help them out and stuff and try and get you know help build more stuff make it better well definitely like i agree like they seem like such a great group of people like down for the cause like they're for all the right reasons um yeah that would be a place where you know you'd want to help out and contribute and yeah like you said the possibilities are endless in the back hills there if you map something out um i think that could be uh, definitely some uh, legendary footage yeah that's and that's kind of what i was looking for a little bit like I mean, I, I just, I scouted it that one day when we were heading back down and for maybe 10 minutes, and I found probably five jumps right right there, all third and fourth gear jumps. Yeah, we're, we're not talking we're little just, second gear doubles here. We're talking big, huge, natural, 100-foot-plus booters. Yeah, I, I found a good one. Quite a few, actually. Like, one was actually a line of three, like, in a row, basically. And then I, I found one huge step up kind of in the back that I wanted to build. And, it's, and I mean, it, it's kind of naturally there. It literally would only take a little shaping with, like, a, a dozer, and it'd be ready to go. Well, let's do it. I know. I, know. I, was, I told him, too. I was like, when it rains next, you get the dozer, and I will be here. <laughs> Use it, but then I broke my leg. Yeah. Well, way to go. Way to go. Yeah. yeah. Well, get into yeah, that yeah. a little bit. How I did totally how, blew it. <laughs> yeah, you definitely. How how did that uh, your newest leg injury happen here? Uh, explain that to the lovely listeners. Yeah, it was. <laughs> honestly, I have no idea how this happens to me, but it was just like with my like my arms. I didn't even crash. It was just like over jumped and the impact and whatever did it. I was just riding at uh, Paris, and, uh, you know, I was probably had been out there for 20, 25 minutes, motoring around, and uh, there's just there's this one cable top that kind of goes into a right-hander, and it doesn't have, like, a real good landing on it, so you bottom out a little most of the time. Um, yeah, I was just hitting it, kind of, like, whipping it, and then landing a little sideways, kind of aimed in towards the inside of the corner because it's right after the jump. I don't know what happened. It just randomly, 
mean, I think I was braking. I think my toe was on the rear brake, but whatever happened, I bottomed out and it was a little muddy. Caught my toe and it just, it twisted my leg out and just snapped it like half a second. Ouch. And, uh, and that was it. <laughs> I rode around for a minute thinking like, there's no way I just broke my leg. There's no way. And then I, you know, I was trying to feel it and stuff and see at first. And then I hit a couple bumps and it just, anybody who's like broken a leg or anything like that knows like there's just this like instability feeling yeah. in there that you can just tell. And I was like, crap, I can't, can't believe that. And I wrote in, told the people I was with, I thought I broke it. And then uh, that was it, headed to the hospital. So uh, does it seem like it's going to heal good? Everything will be good in the long run? Uh, what's the long term on uh, the leg? Yeah, it it seems to be going pretty well. Um, like when, you know, I had to, had to have surgery and get a rod and stuff. Well, actually, it's called a nail is what they call that one. Since it's in your lower leg and not your femur, but... Um, yeah, I had to get the rod in there and some walking screws to uh, put it back together. But, um, yeah, it's not doing too bad. I, I'm pretty much walking on it. Uh, other than that, I, you know, I, I still got a ways, though. So not only did I end up breaking it, I guess I ended up breaking it like one of the worst possible ways you can. Well, man, if you're going to so, do it, you're going to do it right, right? Yeah, I know. I couldn't even believe it. I was like, I was so, I was more pissed off when I was sitting there than, than I was hurting or anything. I was, I just couldn't even believe it. And then, uh, well, pain doesn't set into cyborgs for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, it's just one of those, ran, this random thing. It's like such a weird, you know, thing, you know, no, no crash or anything. It's just like, I don't know. It just has to be one of those perfect situations for it to happen. But um, you're yeah, just a lucky guy. I mean, it's feeling pretty good. I, you know, it's, it feels pretty good. But they're, you know, they're telling me it's finally, I don't know, mid mid to late May, maybe, um, or into June. It, you know, won't really know until. Uh, I mean, it was feeling good when I went in and got the X-ray and stuff. But it's it's so early that you can only see that it's starting to heal but um i really i don't go back in until may so hopefully when i go back in may it'll be look pretty solid and then hopefully only have a couple weeks after that and then back on the start bike again no oh, that's nice okay uh one more story here uh first story comes to your mind jimmy dakotas the ripper <laughs> uh jimmy dakotas what comes to mind I'd say razzled. Razzled? <laughs> razzled? Razzled. That's an inside joke? Or, uh... Uh, I don't know how that comes to mind. I just... It's, so Razzled is this like club in Daytona. And I don't even know how to describe it, honestly. If you live in Florida and you you know about Daytona and you go to Daytona, you know that Razzled is like this dirty, just crappy local club but during spring break and bike week and all that stuff it's like the happening place so 
it's like kind of a funny thing for me to go there during the Daytona Supercross and see like how, I don't know, different it is. But I don't know. It, when I, I don't know. Obviously, Jimmy D's a ripper, and I think about him just riding and whipping it and stuff. But I, I just, I picture Raggle. So because when the Supercross is over and it's time to have some fun, <laughs> him and all the New England boys there. Did he they're whole fun. shot razzle? Is what you're saying? They're, they're fun to watch. <laughs> well, uh, that's awesome, man. Uh, thanks a lot for doing this uh, with us. It'll be on iTunes in the next little bit. Uh, if anyone, uh, well, if you're listening to it, you've already found out how to find it, I guess. But um, uh, is there anything you have coming up, how people could hire you for anything or uh, what you got going on sponsors you'd like to thank again because I kind of blew it the last time oh yeah, <laughs> yeah um I mean, uh, yeah I mean right now I don't have a lot coming up I'm I'm just kind of going day to day trying to get this thing healed um I had some things in the works before I got hurt that I'll kind of go back to working on and some different uh, like video stuff I want to do this year. So hopefully I'll get healed up and I can get back to work on that stuff and maybe have some cool stuff to show you guys soon. Nice. Right on then. Well, thanks so much once again for doing the Big MX podcast show. Uh, it was a thrill for us. You're clearly the biggest name that we've had so far. Um, it's excellent to have you. And uh, once again, thanks so much uh, for, for giving us your evening. Yeah, man, no problem. Thanks a lot for having me on, and, uh, you know, just just edit it and make me sound good. <laughs> That's, uh, will be no problem. Thanks again, Tom. All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, later. see you later. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content. Some of them die, some of them burn Some of them die, some of them fly For good or bad